1: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com.
0: You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
1: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. A
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode 214, and I am your host, Jake Devereaux, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Doing great.
1: Riding a nice little four-game win streak, uh, getting the wins against the teams that they should. I thought it was funny to point out on the broadcast yesterday that with the Orioles and Red Sox series, the away team has won every single game.
0: Yeah, it's super weird.
1: Yeah, that is super weird.
0: <laughs> the the Sox have been kind of crappy at home though. We, we we kinda chatted about that last time we were on the podcast, and uh you know, hopefully they can figure that out. It seems like this team is good enough that they should be able to figure out what the hell's going on at home, but it's been a it's been a thing since like twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah. I mean twenty twenty they were bad everywhere, so I feel like we can write <laughs> that one off. But, <laughs> yeah, going back to 2019 when there were, like, fans in the stands and stuff, too, then a little concerning. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely weird. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to be discussing on today's show. We're going to be doing a little bit of a news and notes section at the beginning, getting you caught up on what the Red Sox have done over the last week, uh, getting you caught up on what's going on with the bottom three guys in the lineup, a couple injuries. And then the meat of the show is going to be... Xander Bogarts. Um the man is probably deserving of uh his own show every single week. Uh he is my favorite player. Uh and he's he's quickly rising up the ranks of maybe my favorite player uh in in the history of of the Red Sox. He, there's a two guys ahead of him right now, but he's Can I take a guess? Oh, yeah, you you should know these guys. Pedro and Ortiz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So he's ahead of PD for you now.
0: He's ahead of PD for me. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I I love me some Xander. Uh, so this this whole episode is going to be really us appreciating Xander, talking about where he ranks in terms of shortstops in the game. We're going to be looking at his 2021 stats. We're going to be looking at his last three years from 2019 to 2021. We're going to be talking about his contract a little bit, and then Keaton and I are going to rank our top five shortstops in the game. Starting with number five, working our way up to number one, I have a shocking omission from my top five, which Keaton is definitely going to let me hear it for. Um, So stick around for that, and Keaton's probably right, but you know what? Uh, We'll have some fun with it. Um, And uh, this is for real life. This is not fantasy baseball. This takes into account things like defense, staying on the field, how good the bat is, leadership skills – all that crap. Basically, who would our shortstops be if we were starting a baseball team now? That's how we thought of this exercise. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Um, so the, the the Sox kind of scared me um, this past week after dropping three out of four to last place, Texas. Uh, and then looking like they might drop the series to Detroit. On Thursday, they had this super dicey 12-9 victory. Um That sneaky feels like one of the most important wins of the season now come from behind victory Um, winning that one propelled them to this Baltimore series. And now all of a sudden, they have uh, locked in 20 wins faster than anyone else. They're at 22 wins. Now they have the best record in baseball. yeah, life is good in Red Sox nation right now. How how shook were you at the prospect of potentially dropping three of four from Texas and then two of three from Detroit?
1: I mean, even though they won the series against Detroit, I didn't feel good about it. No. <laughs> Detroit is by far the worst team in the league. Um, it, I think it says something about this version of the Red Sox, though, that 16 of their 22 wins have been come from behind wins. Um, they have yeah. been losing in 16 games and then found a way to win those which is incredibly impressive. Um so I I mean it I think both of their wins in Detroit were also comebacks. That was
0: a real ugly series. Um it was a horrendous series. Defensively, yeah. pitching-wise, it was just awful.
1: Yeah, I mean they they did their best to give the series to Detroit and then Detroit's four errors and seven unearned runs um <laughs> were kind of like hold my beer. So, I mean, I guess <laughs> thankfully that's, that was the case, but I didn't feel good about that at all. Uh, now no. on the brink of a four game sweep against Baltimore though, who at the start of the series, if it, if the roles had been reversed, if Baltimore was on the verge of a sweep, um, they would have, they were only three and a half back of the Red Sox. So they actually would have jumped the Red Sox in the standings. So, wow, I didn't feel real good about th- this, this series. Um, after the two that they came off of, but now on the verge of a sweep, I feel a lot better. It seems they've got some things turned around. The bottom of the order is hitting and contributing. Um, so that's really great to see. And they needed it. They needed it to be more complete. And Nick Pavetta still manages to just find a way to win games and keep the yeah. Red Sox in games, which is... Uh, I don't know how much longer he can keep it going, but he, every start that he goes out there, I think he's about to get wrecked. <laughs> but then he puts it together and keeps him in the game, and
0: then the Red Sox end up getting a win. Nick Pavetta, man, the uh, the confidence machine that is Nick Pavetta. I yeah. I think uh, you know we were onto something last week talking about how his confidence, as it continues to build, is just this this runaway train, and I I hope he continues. Uh, this maybe he stole Jacob Degrom's life force during that start against <laughs> yeah. Degrom because since then Pavetta's looked awesome and uh, Degrom is headed to the IL. Um, so it's it's kind of crazy. I think he actually thinks he's Jacob Degrom now. I'm cool with it though.
1: Yeah, I mean if if that's <laughs> what it takes to just keep it going, uh, today's start was weird. Three walks, two strikeouts, but he you know, did enough to get the win. <laughs> that's, yeah. I, that's I mean, so
0: weird. <laughs> all that matters is that he got it done. So, um, we, we love to see that the pitching has continued to be solid. Martin Perez has been pretty good as of late. Uh, Eovaldi had his worst start against Detroit. That was definitely, definitely a pretty bad one. Um, you know, we, the, but by and large, the rotation has been pretty good. Uh, Garrett Richards looked pretty decent. Um, did you get to see the latest Garrett Richards start where he went um I did. He pitched better inings. than the line. Yeah, he did look better than the line. The other thing that was impressive about that outing was just he was fairly efficient, you know, it felt like he was gonna potentially even get through more than seven innings with the amount of pitches that he threw. Yeah. Um so I've been impressed with that transformation and I, it feels like those gains are real. The fastball was still good, the curveball was still a good pitch for him. There were times when he looked a little bit more hittable than he had in the last couple of starts, but you know, I'm I'm still really encouraged by what we've seen from Richards. Same all right, so it's time for us to talk about the bottom of the lineup. This is something that we're going to be doing until it gets figured out. Um, but it seems like at least one member of the bottom of the lineup has figured it out. Hunter Renfro, since the start of May, has really been a different guy. He's now got four home runs on the season, 17 RBIs. Uh, and since the beginning of May, not including today's game, he is hitting 323 uh, three twenty three. So he has zero <laughs> walks in that time, uh, with a five forty eight slugging percentage. Um, but the important thing is he's got ten hits, not even including uh, the hits that he had today. Uh, during this game, he has been a completely different guy. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, this is. I mean, I wasn't expecting three twenty three from him, but like, I thought if he could be somewhere yeah. around two seventy, 270, two seventy five, which is you know, maybe 20, 25 points higher than his normal line um, and using the green monster and um, that short right field as well to his advantage, then he could be a really productive hitter for this team. And it seems like he might be kind of rounding into that. Um, and they need it because the, the bottom of the order had been like three instant outs yep. for more than a week. And it was tough to watch. Um, you know, you you'd get past the core of the lineup, and you could just really kill all the rallies that they had going, and it really stifled the offense as a whole to the point where um, the that game that they lost in extras to Detroit, they left twenty six batters on base.
0: That's not going to yeah. get done. That is so horrendous. <laughs> yeah. But- Yeah, it it was getting worrisome, and the fact that you know the Red Sox have four players at the top of their lineup in Verdugo and Bogey and Devers and JD, who are legitimate like MVP type candidates at this point, like guys who will probably all get votes, um, is crazy. But you just can't rely on that for 162 games. You know you can. You can to some degree um, because usually at least one of those four guys is going to show up and usually more than one of those guys. But like you do need those days where the bottom of your lineup gets it done. And thankfully, we've gotten some great performances this year from Christian Vasquez, Um, you know, even games when Kike Hernandez has turned it on Arroyo. But it's really nice to see uh, Hunter Renfro contributing to that mix now. Um, but on the flip side, Keaton, Franchi Cordero, um, he had the one good game against Detroit in that aforementioned crazy win. Um, but other than that, he's been completely pathetic and uh just not getting it done in any any sort of way.
1: Yeah. Um I mean he's he's been better um since the, the beginning of the month as well. However um you know, a lot better than he was. Because he was hitting under 100, uh, <laughs> and now since the beginning of the month he's hitting 231, which which is a lot better. Yeah. Um, but he's also got a 12 and a half percent walk rate, so he's at least getting on base. He had a three hit game, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's progress here that he needs to build on, and kind of become. And it'd be nice if he had a little stretch like Renfro here. Um, maybe put one over the fence. That would feel good. Uh, and just be able to help the bottom of the order contribute, but he's—it's getting tough to to run him out there, even with this little uptick in productivity. It's tough to run him out there uh, and, and just give away at bats.
0: Yeah, especially when Jaron Duran is like six for ten over his last uh, couple of games. So <laughs> <Yeah>. uh. <laughs> he he hit a dinger the other day too. That
1: outfielder didn't even move. Like instant bomb.
0: Yeah, as he continues to to heat up, it's going to be tough if if Franchi continues to do this. So hopefully we'll get something out of Franchi. I think we were all figuring on Franchi being like basically Hunter Renfro, um, and the fact that he's been a zero in the power department is probably the most surprising thing for me about this season. Just because of the size and the physicality, you look at Franchi and you're like, this dude's job is just to go out and murder baseballs. Um, But he just can't seem to make contact. He's been in between on a swing the whole year and, you know, hopefully he can figure it out at some point. But uh, until he does, I mean, there's just going to be a massive target on his back in terms of, you know, a first place team in all of baseball i mean they, they gotta make win now moves and there's only so long you can stomach a guy like franchi being a zero on your team
1: yeah exactly interesting enough so i know you and i have been you mentioned christian vasquez um and his mm-hmm. ebbs and flows and overall really good season um you have been you and i have both been looking at the FanGraphs page here for a bit and talking about Xander bogart and stuff uh, so you may have already seen this, but did you know that
0: Christian Vasquez is leading the Red Sox in steals? I didn't. Uh, I know <laughs> that he had those two steals at the beginning of the year that were kind of like sneaky, but how many does he have now? Four. Wow. Leading the That's team. Impressive. Verdugo has
1: three and then Bogarts, Devers and Marwin Gonzalez have two.
0: He's a really smart <laughs> base runner. He's just he is, like a yeah. super smart baseball player uh, in general. Uh, You know, that development story of Christian Vasquez from what he was when he came up through the Red Sox system, which was pretty much a a good defensive player, but an offensive zero to what he's become is just really, it's kind of inspirational how much he's grown as a player. Yeah, it has. I don't want to see him get traded. I know that was something that was talked about. Uh, Last year, and apparently the Red Sox were even kind of shopping him and and getting some offers, but didn't have any offers that they liked enough. You know, at this point with the Red Sox turning things around, um, I would like to see the Red Sox not not only not shop Vasquez, but make him part of the, the plans going forward for this team.
1: I agree. And I mean, we've seen like not only that, like he is still a strong, really strong defensive catcher. And we've seen pitching staffs get completely derailed when a catcher gets traded and then they're kind of scr- scrambling. And we've seen that with the Red Sox. Um, they kind of have a tendency to do that. But I, I feel like it just feels different with Vasquez with just yeah. how complete of a baseball player he is. There's like, there's not a, an easy replacement for that at all. And I, I don't think there's one within within their current system so it would be much bigger of a hole than just kind of like the typical letting the catcher walk kind of deal. So I'm I'm with you. He should be part of that core in their long term plans.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's got the club option for next year, twenty twenty two. That's his final club option for seven million bucks. That's a no brainer that the team will pick that up. Um but it's really looking forward to so that'll be his age thirty one season. Uh, next year but then 32 33 34 35 i would be totally comfortable with the red sox signing him to a four-year deal through his age 35 season um you know he's been durable he's been good offensively he manages the staff in an excellent way he's good a cannon for an arm um you know he's he's kind of the perfect little backstop for this uh for this team
1: yeah completely agree
0: all right Well, appreciating some Vasquez, let's move on to Bobby Dahlbeck. So uh, we talked about how Renfro has fixed things. Franchi has not. Bobby Dahlbeck is somewhere in the middle. I don't know if you got to see his tank on Friday. I did. Um, Holy crap, man. When Bobby Dahlbeck gets a hold of a ball. You know, I've been waiting all year to kind of see that because – We'd seen some oppo shots from him, and we'd seen some other stuff, and we've seen some stung doubles. But, man, that home run was beautiful.
1: Yeah, so now he only needs, what, 38 more to (laughs) hit your
0: projection? I said 36 for the year. (laughs) Okay, 34 is still a lot, too. Yeah, um, Um, it's definitely a lot. (laughs) It's not looking
1: good. But, yeah, he is somewhere in the middle, but I feel like it's trending positive because uh, – and this is kind of you know, what we saw in spring training is he, he has had a couple other hits where he's gone the other way and just kind of taking what the pitcher has given him rather than trying to rely heavily on pulling the ball. And I think that's a really great sign to things being turned around uh, with him is that he, he is seeing the ball better than he was in the beginning um, and taking it where it's thrown – and making something out of it. So it feels like, I mean, there's still a lot of work to go because he's just not getting a lot of hits. They're just, you know, the ones that he is getting is encouraging, like a singly opposite way, a moonshot. Like it, it feels like what the hits he is getting are positive and what you would see from someone who's turning it around. Uh, it just seems like it's a bit slower of a turn than we had hoped. Yeah, but maybe this is enough momentum for him to build on.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And and also the fact that the K percentage is just slowly creeping downwards. You know, it's it's at 33.7%, which is still too high uh, for for what we want. But it's it's trending down from what it was at, at the beginning part of the season. Um, and we've seen what hot Bobby Dahlbeck looks like when he gets going. And with five RBIs in the last three games, it seems like, you know, we could be on the cusp of that. Um He's somebody that I, I still remain confident in. And when I watch his at-bats, I don't feel nearly as bad about them as I do like a Franchi at-bat where he just looks like he's Lost. got no chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, with, with with Dahlbeck, it does look like he's figuring some things out. So I agree with you. Javis hit a nice little homer. Yes, he did. I was wondering when, if at all, you would bring up the Chavis home run. But... Yeah, of course I will. <laughs> so, yeah, I tweeted out that that was off of a fastball, and I think you did as well, but it turns out it was an 84-mile-an-hour changeup, as we were both corrected uh, online. But uh, you know what? I'll still take it at this point.
1: I, I'll be honest. I didn't. Uh, I was putting together a bunch of furniture with the game on, so I didn't see it when it happened, but I heard the call. And mm-hmm. then watched the replay and Remy was the one who told me it was a high fastball, so I trusted. Yes, Remy. he told
0: me as well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's still a good sign. It's it's nice to see Chavis come up and have an impact. Uh but the whole reason why Chavis was up is because um Christian Arroyo and Kike Hernandez are both on the ten day IL. Um, you know, we've been extremely lucky this year with the Red Sox in terms of injuries. These are the first real injuries to the core of the team this year. Uh, Arroyo hit the IL with a wrist contusion. He just keeps getting hit in the same hand, uh, which is really annoying. And then uh, a right hamstring strain for Christian Arroyo, or uh, um, sorry, Kike Hernandez. Um, And uh, Chavis was called up for Kike. Uh Jonathan Arrayos was called up for Arroyo. Um great defender with Arreyos and uh we know we know Chavis already. Um Chavis played a little bit of second when he came up. Um you know, it's the Red Sox are getting their depth tested a little bit right now.
1: Yeah. And this is a great showcase for Chavis to do some
0: something great. Uh and then go get a full time gig somewhere else. Yeah. Definitely could see that happening. Um, and you know, what's nice too is, you know, Chavis has been a pretty good sport about all this, so he hasn't really complained and he's been working hard. So it seems like he's doing all the right things. Um, so, you know, wish, wish him the best, obviously, um, want him to succeed. Uh, Areuz is interesting though, because, you know, he's, he's such a good defender that I wouldn't be surprised to see him in games late, uh, especially with how Cora has been pretty aggressive with, going through his bench and kind of maximizing things and giving guys days off and you know giving guys innings off when the game is put away it seems like we could see a good amount of these two
1: yeah um i I feel like bra is a bit um I mean the the team they love him um I I mean I guess he, for what he is which is um, just that like the, that infield depth. He's a real solid piece to have. Particularly um I mean the infield depth is really the only position where the Red Sox have had depth like the last couple years. Um so it is a good thing to have and particularly the to have those guys have options so they don't get kind of like handcuffed. Um but Aruz I think is a guy that could get a lot of play kind of like in a Marvin Gonzalez way and like just all over the place. And where Javis is probably limited to second base and a little bit of first, Mm -hmm. um, can see how is kind of all over the infield at second and short, maybe even third there too. I think he has the arm for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is incredibly helpful for the interchangeable lineup that Cora likes to work with and play with. So it's not only just having – depth but having guys that have that multiple position eligibility thing and that's kind of what makes a guy like Aruz so handy and delightful to have to a manager. Um, you know, obviously he wish he could get a little bit more at the plate, but i mean he kinda is what he is, so it's I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing. And he's had strong runs. So I mean he could, he could be one of those guys that helps turn the tide at the bottom of the order when he is in there. So I think Aruz is gonna be a guy that um
0: no purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think those are all great points about those two. Um, speaking of depth, though, before we move on to the main meat of the show, um, it's worth noting Tanner Houck and Connor Seabold, who are, are probably the sixth and seventh men up in the rotation should anything occur and both guys on the 40-man roster, both of these guys are shut down. Seabold's dealing with a little bit of an elbow issue. Doesn't seem too serious. Tanner Houck has a sore flexor muscle. So, you know, hopefully the rotation will be, um, you know, healthy enough through through this stretch right now. We don't get any injuries, you know, knock on wood here, cross our fingers. But it seems like they may have to turn to a guy like Whitlock or Andrees if anything happens at this point. Or they'd have to go off of the current forty man, which I don't think they really want to do. No, I don't think that they do.
1: I mean, they they to me they have room to play with on the forty man. They're like there's some relievers that I don't care to see anymore that can go (laughs) like Bryce. Um, Yeah, that's one of them. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but they seem to not want to make that move. Yeah. So and I mean I'm. Bloom's a smart guy. I'm sure he
0: knows what he's doing. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's get to the meat of the episode, Keaton. Uh, It is time for me and you to profess our love to Xander Bogarts, the greatest player since the history of great players. All right, maybe I'm overestimating things. Uh, very, very great player on the Red Sox. Xander Bogarts, my favorite player. Uh, is he your favorite player, too? No, it's, it's Mookie. Oh, okay. He's not on the Red Sox, Keaton. I know. I'm well aware. And I still love him. Okay. Okay. Well, um, anyhow... Uh, xander Bogarts is 28 years old he's a right-handed bat he's in the midst of his prime and uh, he has some pretty impressive ranks right now keaton, why don't you tell us where xander Bogart's ranks in terms of 2021 stats at shortstop
1: yeah um short answer would just be first <laughs>
0: um, <laughs>
1: I, we pulled what did i pull here one two three four five six seven eight nine ten stats and he is first in seven of them. So he is tied for first in home runs. He's third in runs, third in RBIs, second in ISO and then first in average OBP, slugging, OPS, wRC+, plus, and WAR. That's a lot of good stuff to be number 1 at here in this this game of baseball. That's just a lot of a lot of skill.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh that seems pretty good. Um you know, the the 176 wRC+ plus. Is that's pretty darn good. High, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, he he's definitely on his way to having the best season of his career. But in case you're thinking, oh, it's only been 32 games or 33 games or whatever in short sample, uh, I pulled his numbers uh, against other shortstops uh, in the game all the way back to 2019. So the last three seasons, which you know obviously aren't three complete seasons because. 2020 was shortened, and we have, you know, only played a month and change of 2021, but here's how he ranks uh, in terms of a few different categories here. He's first in Fangraph's War at 10.4. He's first in WRC Plus at 143. Second in batting average to Tim Anderson at 314. First in OBP at 382. First in slugging percentage at 550. First in home runs at 51. Third in runs at 167. He's one behind Marcus Simeon, who's the second baseman now, and six behind Trevor Story. He's first in RBIs. He's 13th in stolen bases. Uh, So if you're looking for one thing to knock him for, it would be he doesn't run a ton, but he's a great base runner, by the way. And he is second in the all-important stat that I love the most, games played, at 243 behind, yes, Marcus Simeon. Again, not a shortstop anymore. So, Xander's good. He's really good. And the reason why we decided to do this all Xander episode is because our man Xander Bogarts can opt out after next season. Um, which is really scary, especially to Keaton, who has already had to deal with the loss of Mookie Betts in his life. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to uh, do it again. <laughs> no, and and uh, I just have a note right right on my notebook next to his name that just says pay him all the money. Um, and we were talking, uh, Keaton and I, about you know where he ranks in terms of shortstops in the game, and we both love the player so much. Uh, obviously, we both want the Red Sox to sign him to a longer-term deal. He's getting $20 bucks per year right now. And Keaton, you did some work about where that ranks. Can you kind of fill us in as to where that ranks in terms of short stops in the game right now?
1: Yeah, that is third by AAV, um, a very distant third to Lindor and Tatis, who um, both signed massive contracts. So, Tatis, his AAV isn't all that Daunting. It's only like twenty four point two million, but that's because it was a fourteen year deal. <laughs> mm. but, like Lindor, Lindor's deal uh, total value was one million more than Tatis, which was obviously on purpose. Uh, which was three hundred and forty one million. Uh, ten, Tatis' deal was three hundred forty million. Um, Lindor obviously signed his very recently as a twenty seven year old. Bogart signed his as a twenty six year old, which was six years, one hundred and twenty. Million, which was tied for second in overall value uh, to Elvis Andrus, who signed his deal at 24, um, like six years ago. Um, but it was his eight year deal, so his AV was less. So it basically has like the third most expensive contract uh, of all the shortstops in the game, but is a significantly distant third. <laughs> so um, it's going to be interesting because, you know, that opt out for him is basically at. Uh, 29 years old. Yep. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what kind of deal he can swing at that point. But based off of like Lindor's massive deal at 27, I think there's certainly an argument to be made. He should be making more than $20 million a year, which is why you feel very sure that he is going to opt out at that point. Yeah. And what do you think the Red Sox? do there how high do you think they go do you think that they i mean there was obviously a lot of fan blowback from the mookie betts deal do you think that they they these guys do have a tendency to overcorrect do you think that they make sure that they keep bogarts and don't have a repeat
0: i do uh i think that bogarts is particularly important to this franchise you know, just because um, he came up with the franchise, he was their top prospect, he's a leader in the clubhouse, and he's consistently gotten better offensively over the course of his career. Really, every single year he comes in and is a more complete offensive player. And I think that this ownership really almost couldn't withstand losing another player of that caliber, especially one consistently getting better uh, in the way that Xander Bogarts is. So I think that they are going to, I think they will ultimately reach an agreement with him. Like he took an undermarket deal to stay here um, and sort of bet on himself. And I think the opt out was smart, but he is a Boris client. So I think that Bogarts is going to end up making significantly more. It wouldn't surprise me if he was making like eight to $10 million more uh, per year with with a new deal. And I do think that these guys will keep him here uh for the rest of his career and uh he will have his number retired with the Red Sox. Yeah. There's we're in a really
1: interesting spot with shortstops though because it was not long ago there was not very many good shortstops in the game and the ones that were were really old. So yeah. like current precedent for like long-term deals at shortstop it's only Lindor and Tatis. There's nobody else that has signed a like a, an actual like long-term deal. I mean Elvis Andrews Uh, That deal is almost expired um, and that was not a great deal because he's not a very good shortstop. Uh, And that's really like the only other one that's like eight years or like more than more than matches or more than what Bogart signed at six. Like, yeah, his deal is still relatively like market setting in terms of long-term shortstop deals, which is kind of wild. So I, I don't have any idea what to expect he he should be making, but, By the time he gets to the opt out at 20 million. I mean, when he signed at an AAB of 20 million, that was already team friendly. Yeah. And he's continued to outperform it. Right. So he definitely should be getting more. But I don't know. Is he going to get like another six year deal at like 180?
0: I think his next deal will be between 240 and 280 million.
1: Wow. That is a lot of money.
0: How long? Yeah. I think it will be like eight to 10 years. I think it's going to be a oh big, big, big deal. I think it will essentially take him through uh, the rest of his prime, then a little on the back end. And I think that Xander Bogarts will retire with this franchise. I, I think he's that type of important player uh, to them, and I, I hope that that comes true. But um, you know, I don't think I don't expect him to be a shortstop for that entire time. I think he'll probably be a shortstop through like age 34, 35, something like that. And then I'll probably relinquish the position. But, you know, the guy, he's he's so durable. He keeps himself in excellent physical shape. He's never been you know, the world's best defender, but he's a steady defender. Um, and he keeps getting better with the bat every single year. So, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I'm here for it. Eight
1: um, years and 280 would essentially match the last eight years of
0: Lindor's deal. I think that's totally fair for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might be right because, uh, as you just pointed out, over the last three years, he's outperformed Lindor. So.
0: Yeah. Yep. He's uh, he's an incredible player. So what we did here is uh, we basically went through and we rated our top five uh, shortstops. So I already mentioned that at the top of the show. So let's get right to it, Keaton. Who is your number five rated shortstop if you were starting a baseball team today? Trevor story. I really
1: like story. he has got that power speed combo. I know cores may be a factor, but, um, his splits aren't all that different. He's one of those guys that it's, it doesn't really matter what, what park he's in. He's going to hit really well. Um, consistently like 2020. Um, I believe he's almost pushed 30, 30 once still really young, 25 or 26 years old. So, um, He's a guy that I really like. I know, um, you know, we do rankings for fantasy, um, and there's guys that are really split on him because they see what the (laughs) the Rockies are doing and kind of expect his production to fall off a cliff, um, which I suppose I don't necessarily blame people for, but, um, Turner Story is really good. And he's not a liability defensively in a a time now where we have a ton of really good defensive torch stuff. So he's a guy that I like, um, I had a tough time with number five, though, because I also do really like Javier Baez, who yeah. also has that power-speed combo and elite defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just gave Baez, you know, had a rough 2020. His average has dipped like 40 points this year, uh, and Story's still really good. So I gave him the
0: edge there. Well, Story's definitely on my list. He did not—he's uh, He's actually higher on my list, so I'll get to him later. But I agree with you, I love— Love Trevor's story. I'm a little surprised he's not higher on your list. Um, number five for me is Corey Seager, who I think will be a little bit of a controversial pick. Um, but Corey Seager does basically the same things that Xander Bogarts does. He is a very high caliber hitter. Um, probably not quite as good a hitter uh, as Xander Bogarts, but he's he's an exceptional hitter. And... Um, you know he's somebody who's already had two seasons above six WAR. Granted, those came when he was 22 and 23, and he hasn't quite matched anything up to that level since then. The defense has definitely gotten a little bit worse as he's gotten older, um, but he's still a tremendous hitter, and I think that um, you know he's he's a special player. Uh, he's had the a little bit more in the way of injuries in 2018. He dealt with some back injuries. Um, which which shortened up his season but other than that he's been a relatively healthy player uh for the other seasons so uh big fan of Corey Seager.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see him um walk more so I I didn't have him in my top 5 um and it was mainly because like his two best seasons were 4 and 5 years ago um and he's had the health issues his strikeout rate is pretty good, but doesn't walk a ton. Doesn't get a lot of steals. Um and like you said, it's kind of been declining a bit defensively, but He's, still
0: really strong shortstop. His um his career walk in strikeout rate is nine point two percent, eighteen point eight. Xander Bogarts is eight point two percent, eighteen point one percent strikeout rate. So they're actually extremely similar. Bogarts is a career two ninety one hitter. Seeger's is a career two ninety three hitter. He's a career two sixty two on base guy. Bogarts is a career three fifty two on base guy. That is pretty similar. Yeah, and but the slugging percentage is where it's separated. Corey Seeger's a career and the home four, runs. Never had a, a 497. Season. Yeah, four ninety seven slug. Uh, Bogarts is a career four fifty nine. But you know, Bogarts over the last four years has been a. 500-plus slugging player. So. Yeah, that is interesting. A lot more games played, too. Bogarts is already had 1,000 career games played. <laughs> uh, and Corey Seager is at 573. So, boy needs to play some games. Sure does. All right, who's your number four?
1: Number four, I went Trey Turner. Um, okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, really coming into his own as a hitter over the past couple years. Hit. 335 last year is at 293 with 7 homers, 7 steals. Um Tease's is really fun to watch. Really really fun to have on the field. Um the the power is what like you said two seasons of 19 homers probably would have had uh you know he had 12 last year in only um 60 games, so that really kind of would have been like his power breakout season last year and you know Maybe put him in the the MVP race, but has a chance to do that this year. I mean, already has seven home runs through twenty nine games. Has a chance to maybe go like thirty thirty while hitting three hundred. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And he again is not someone that's going to kill you defensively. He plays pretty average um, to defense at shortstop. So you know, its offense will carry him, but he's not going to hurt you in the field. And he can competently play the position very well. So, um, and he's also again. Relatively young, you know, I'm only twenty-eight this year.
0: So, I love Trey Trey Turner. I actually have him higher than you do as well. Both of yeah. the the guys you had five and four, I have higher. <laughs> I <laughs> won't give it away here, but I do have higher. Um, so I'm I'm locked up with you in loving Trey Turner. Um, for my number four guy, this is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, I went Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think a lot of people are expecting me to have him higher, but the reason why is just simply the games played. Um, He had the unbelievable season last year. um, And really, you know, you could say his last two years at age 20 and 21, he's come onto the scene and been really on a game by game basis, one of the greatest players in the game. Um, But the problem is that he just, he's injury prone. um, And we've, we've kind of seen that he's dealt with some shoulder things and, Um, The power speed combo and the bat speed and everything like that is just insane. He's great for the game. Um, But I think that there was a fair amount of risk in that deal that the, the Padres signed him to at such a young age, considering the injury history that he has had. And he has an injury history in the minor leagues as well. So the ceiling here is the best player in baseball, probably right? It's it's at least in the conversation for the best player in baseball, but yeah. um, staying on the field is really the thing that is going to dictate whether or not he reaches that ceiling.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And he it was the man that I had number three for the same reason, just the number of games. Like He just eclipsed playing one full season, yeah. and it took him three years to get there. So that's, um, like you said, the the ceiling could be you know, in the conversation for one of the best in the game, but he's got to stay on the field to do it and kind of, um, you know, it's it's not like uh, obscure injuries um, that are happening to him, but they're happening to him at such a young age that like you don't want to see a guy breaking down like 20, 21, 22, because as he gets older, it's going to happen more rapidly. Yeah. So that's something to worry about. I mean, he can obviously put together a string of like six straight healthy seasons, and like you said, be one of the best in the game. But that's why I I had him at number three. Um, I'm kind of with you. I feel like people probably would expect him to have been higher, but that's where he landed for me.
0: So stay who, on that field. Yeah. Uh, Number three for me, I had Trevor Story, um, who was your number five guy. Um, The things that I love about Trevor Story, um, and I do a little bit worry about the course effect with him because he he is going to be up uh, after, I believe, what, this year? Uh, He's going to be a free agent um, this year or next year? I think he's a free agent next year. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, the things that have been amazing about him is just that every year, uh the, well he first got his job at 23 and then basically 24 25 26 27 he got better every single year yeah. um and and even the defense got better that's the thing that's kind of crazy is that he became a better defender he he sort of has has peaked as a defender at age 26 had a great defensive year in 2020 in just that half a year and the important thing here games played 145 157 145, 59 out of 60. Like the dude is on the field all the time playing amazing defense and hitting the lights out of the ball and stealing bases. I love Trevor's story. I think he's a complete player. Yeah, I agree. And I don't worry about him going somewhere else. Like I think his batting average and, you know, some of his counting stats might take a little bit of a hit, but like put him in that Aaron category where yeah, it's not know, a big difference. Yeah, he's just—he's a stud, man. Agreed. And he plays good defense.
1: All right, who is your number two? The X Man himself, Ooh. which I'm sure you think is low. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: is low. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about how great he has been, and is—I mean, he's definitely like the most underrated player in baseball. Yeah. Uh, even with how well he's been performing, so I don't think I need to go into a ton of detail. But um, yeah, I got number two.
0: All right. Uh, respectable there. Can't, can't fault you too much. Uh, I went with my boy Trey Turner at number two overall. Um, you know, Trey at his age, 27, stolen base threat. And the fact that he has evolved as a hitter, um, what we've seen from him in terms of the last few years, 25 years old, 271, 26 years old, 298. These are his batting averages. Last year, 335. This year he's batting 293. He's just gotten better, and the power thing is kind of weird and crazy, but he's becoming more of a power threat as he gets older and stronger. Um, he's just killing it, man. So I'm a huge Trey Turner fan. I love the defense. I love the hit tool. I love the stolen base potential. He was a true 70 runner coming out of uh, you know the minor leagues, so he's a stud. I, I can't believe the Padres traded him. First overall pick.
1: Yeah, and, like, immediately. Like, they didn't even wait to see what yeah. they had. They just immediately, like, we will draft him and then we'll give him to you because we don't want him.
0: Yeah, 2014, 13th <laughs> overall first-round pick. See you later. off. And then off.
1: two years later, they tried to get
0: him back at the deadline. <laughs> no chance. That was one of the greatest heists. Oh, yeah. All right. You're number one.
1: Who is it? Francisco Lindor. Who I cannot believe is not in
0: your top five. He's not in my top five. <laughs> yeah, that is,
1: that is just wild to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, the dude has had three seasons of 30 plus homers, two seasons of 30 homer, 30 plus homers and, uh, 20 plus steals. He's had three seasons with a war over five, Um uh, Bogarts, who's who you have at number one. Um, has had one season with a war over five. Yep. I know that Bogarts has had some really outstanding WRC pluses, particularly like recently over the past like three years, mm-hmm. uh, three years, four years. Um, but Lindor to me has has matched. Um, you know, Bogarts has been better recently, but mm-hmm. over the length of their career, I think Francisco Lindor has just proven that he is incredibly good um he had a 1.8 war last year to um bogart's 1.9 so they were pretty it's pretty similar in that short 2020 season because that, that's kind of hard to judge against like <laughs> we're comparing multiple seasons of 162 games and then that one just kind of drops in there but they had pretty similar production there yep. um not anything out of the ordinary um i so i just like I just think that he has proven it more because he's been doing it for like five seasons as opposed to Bogart's with kind of like the three seasons most recently. But so I gave him the slight edge. If you had Lindor second, I don't know if I would really fight you on it, but not in your top five, I think is a little bananas.
0: So everything that you just said is right. Um, I'm not going to argue with any of that. But what I will argue with is trends. Um, And you mentioned it yourself. He has, if we were to look backwards, right, he has had the best career out of any of these guys on this list. No question. He's had the best career. But what we've seen is that I think that Francisco Lindor has peaked and is now entering the decline phase of his career. Um, And I I realize that some people might think that that's unrealistic, 27-year-old entering the decline phase of his career. But we have to realize that a lot of Francisco Lindor's value was tied up in his defense. We haven't seen quite the same level of prolific uh, defensive metrics in regards uh, to that. I mean, at age 21, he had a four-war season. Age 22, 5.5. Age 23, 5.7. Age 24, 7.7. Defense is usually the first skill to start to decline, and I don't think that he's a special bat. And that's the thing that really kind of... Uh, sours me on him versus a lot of these other guys that we've been talking about who are getting better at the plate. He's actually been getting worse at the plate. So he's got the one season of having a WRC plus over 116. That was 2018 where he had an unbelievable year, 38 home runs, 25 stolen bases. I don't think he'll ever approach that again. I don't think he's going to be a 30 home run guy, especially with the ball being the way it is. Speed is the other thing that was a big factor for him. I think that's going to start to decline. Um, I just, I agree that he has been the best player, but I just don't think that if we're looking forward, that his profile is going to age as gracefully as the five guys that I have above him. So if we're looking forward, I just can't put him above any of these other guys.
1: Okay. I mean, that is a much more logical argument than I was expecting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so my number one Sandra Bogart.
1: <laughs> valid. I mean, yeah, valid. Uh, well, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, you do you do value staying on the field though, and he has never really had injury issues at all.
0: No, he, nice. he really hasn't. It was really close between him and uh Corey Seeger for me. Um at that five spot, it was not really close between him and the four guys who I had one through four. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been the Xander Bogarts podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it. We didn't have any listener questions today because I think, uh, We forgot to put out a call for questions, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, we do, we do hope you enjoyed that check as to where Xander is in terms of shortstops in the game. Uh, and here's the hoping that he retires a member of the Boston Red Sox. Um, Keaton, thank you for joining me for another fun episode here. Um, tune in, subscribe, rate and review, do all that fun stuff. Check out our other shows on the network. You don't have to do anything except just listen to them. Guess they all come to your feed as long as you subscribe. The Precap Podcast with Shelly and Keaton, reviewing and uh, previewing and reviewing uh, all of the uh, series. We have the Red Sox On Deck Podcast uh, talking about Red Sox prospects. Uh, And then we have the Over the Monster Podcast uh, doing you know their own wacky take on on red sox baseball so check out all those shows they're all great but you know this is the best one so hell yeah <laughs> all right thanks so much for joining us people and i uh, will be with you next week